Welcome to episode nine of Electric Violin Shop's podcast, Rockstar Violinist. I'm Matt Bell. We have covered some serious musical ground so far, from rockers to jazz greats, from EDM violinists to fiddlers, even a metal mariachi violinist. Today we're hitting a different genre. Taylor Davis is a YouTube sensation. This week, she just passed over 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Right now, you're listening to her version of He's a Pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean. It has over 34 million views. Before we go any further, we want to thank our sponsor, Coda Bow. They are the premier manufacturer of carbon fiber bows. I use them. Taylor uses them. Actually, most of our interview subjects use them. We're going to talk more about Coda Bow in a bit, but they make fantastic bows, and their support makes this podcast possible. I had a chance to meet up with Taylor in Detroit, Michigan, her hometown, and record this interview. I was a really big fan of hers before, and I'm a huge fan of hers now. I'm sure you will be too. So off to our interview with Taylor Davis, rock star violinist. started when did you start playing I was about like eight years old so I was at like an elementary school Christmas assembly and a girl started playing Silent Night as part of it and for whatever reason that just like really like struck something in me and I just all of a sudden wanted to start playing the violin so I went home that night and asked my parents if I could start playing and they said yes and so that's kind of I started from there, and like within the first week, I wanted to quit. <laughs> and my mom was like, "Nope, we rented this violin. You're gonna stick with it for at least a year." And uh, yeah, so thankfully I did because once I learned "Mary Had a Little Lamb," then I was kind of hooked. So you know, just took that one song. <laughs> That's awesome. So then you did you end up playing in like school orchestra and stuff? Um, yeah, so I did that uh, early on, and I was taking private lessons. So thankfully, my parents could afford to do that, and I took. Private lessons all the way up through um, college. I just did it very casually in college because I was just doing a partial scholarship for a music minor, but wasn't planning on having a career in music. So, <laughs> so then get out of school, and and we're actually meeting in uh, in Detroit right now, mm-hmm. where you're where you're from, and I'm actually from just down the road from here. We grew up really not that far from each other. Yep. <laughs> um, but so you're back to. The Detroit area after college, mm-hmm. and then when did the uh, the music career start taking off? So I wanted to initially be a composer, and so I started learning how to use different um, like DAWs and things like that. And I had a internship thing kind of lined up that fell through, and so I was really sad about that because I was planning on moving to California, and I was like, oh, this is going to be it for me. I'll get to finally, you know, give this a try and. It fell through, so I was like, well, shoot, what can I really do in Michigan here right now? And so that's why I started to uh, post on YouTube. So I saw a few people on YouTube at the time, this was over seven years ago, um, posting Final Fantasy music because I just was, I'm a nerd, and I was searching Final Fantasy music on YouTube one day, and I saw a couple of people playing that kind of music on there, and people were watching it, and I was really surprised, actually, because... I used to get made fun of um, in school for being into this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, people are actually publicly sharing this and <laughs> getting likes and views and, you know, people are into it. So um, that was kind of like 
why I started my channel. I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to post the kind of music that I like and see if I can make something happen with my music from here because I really didn't have the option to go anywhere else at that time. So I was working a day job at a nonprofit organization and just started posting on YouTube casually, you know, when I had free time. So YouTube was where everything started, and then the rest of your social media sort of mm -hmm. sprung from that. Yes. <clears throat> and... I know it's weird, like I have a career as like an internet musician and stuff, but I'm actually very introverted, um, and so it's been kind of like a struggle for me, like I forced myself to get on the next social media thing and stuff, so I was a little late to Facebook, and then I was scared to use my real name at first, and so that's why my name is Violent Hey on YouTube, because I just didn't want to share my real name, and then once it started turning into a real business, I was like, okay, I probably want to use my actual name at this point. And so um, I kind of rebranded. I had a Facebook uh, page with like over 20,000 likes at that point, And then I deleted it because I couldn't change the name. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a setback. And then um, Instagram, I was like, ah, should I get on this or not? So I was a little late getting on Instagram as well. But um, I, I enjoy using those things now and, you know, all the features that have developed out of them. It's a great way to connect with your audience on a different different platform because YouTube you can only do so much you know I use that mostly just for kind of my music videos and marketing and things like that but really more of the engagement happens on the other platforms so I like that a lot yeah so where did you sort of learn because you're on Twitter too you got a huge Twitter mm -hmm. following where did you sort of learn how to manage each because each of those platforms is really different and you mm -hmm. have to use them differently yeah um, so really, like, I'm not super great about posting, because I know, like, obviously a tactic for growth on each of those platforms is to kind of post up exclusive content or whatever, and um, I'm not managed, or I don't have, like, a team working with me or anything like that, so I do all of it myself, and so it's one of those things where... You know, I do what I can, and, um, you know, I engage differently on those platforms. Like, now with Facebook, I've enjoyed doing some live streaming on there and stuff. But, um, yeah, no, it's just kind of consistency. It's, like, what I was doing on YouTube early on, just making sure that you're consistently engaging and all of that. Um, I've had no really specific strategies for growth on particular platforms other than just staying consistent and genuine and engaging with fans and things like that. Awesome. So, sort of back to, I guess, you're, so you're a big gamer, and, and you've been yep. a gamer for, for how long? <laughs> Since before I started playing violin, <laughs> so that was like one of the tactics my mom used early on when I was playing the violin, um, to get me to practice. I would have to practice at least a half an hour before I could play my video games, and so that was like the carrot for me <laughs> in order to practice when I was younger, so thank you, mom, for that, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, my, I have an older brother, he's my only sibling, and he was huge into video games, and so it was something where, you know, I wanted to be like him when I was growing up and played with G.I. Joes instead of Barbies and all that, and then we would play video games together, too, so that's kind of how I got hooked from a very early age. So all this video game music is, like, way deep, deep in, <laughs> oh, yes. in, the, in the mind. Oh, my gosh, yes, and then um, when I was in school, um, not so much elementary school, but middle school, um, my family moved from Illinois to Michigan halfway through fourth grade, and that was a really tough time. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> I had a hard time making friends when we moved. And then um, in middle school, that was just like a really, I call it a dark period <laughs> of my life, and had a lot of um, problems with bullying and things like that. And so I was using video games a lot during that time to kind of just escape. It was like 
a very positive place for me to just go and not worry about what people were thinking of me. And, you know, I could be anyone in the games because I was playing also online games at that time, too, like EverQuest. <laughs> so it was, you know, just one of those things that really helped me through a difficult time in life. So now I have all of this really, like, deep emotional connection to this music because I, you know, just kind of like remember it, the nostalgia and all of those things. So that's another reason why this music is very important to me and why I've been pretty true to, you know, sticking with all of this kind of like nerd content, if you will. <laughs> it's just, you know, a huge part of who I am and also um, has just been like a positive force in my life. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and it's been, I mean, your focus musically has, has never really wavered. You always knew musically who you were mm-hmm. and what you were interested in. Yeah. Yeah, like classical music, um, not so much my thing. Like, I have a deep respect for it and people who play that. And, you know, it's very difficult music, very challenging. And um, I grew up playing the classical music, but it was never something that I felt super connected with or passionate about. And so that's why it always felt like kind of a grind for me when I was growing up. And I did all sorts of youth symphonies and things like that, but... Um, that's another reason I just never thought that I have a career in music because I kind of only saw that path for a while. And so when I realized that there might be an opportunity to do the type of music that I was the most connected with and that I love the most, um, that's why I decided to give it a shot. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So then the the YouTube thing just started taking off. You've got almost 2 million subscribers now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep, very fortunate. Um, <laughs> it's uh, been about... Well, over seven years now that I've had the channel, and it just grew very gradually. Um, when I was just starting out, it was like the most basic videos, you know, the epitome of early YouTube videos. It was just me. I put the really bad quality camera on a tripod and would just press record, and I was playing along to um, the actual, like, OST backtracks and things like that. And then um, gradually over time, once I started making money with um, all my music and stuff, I was able to invest that back into the whole business side of things and start doing like nicer quality videos and way better audio recording and things like that. So you, uh, we talked about some of these other platforms, but Patreon mm-hmm. is, a, is another platform that I think is starting to become noticed by players out there. You've, you were sort of ahead of the curve. You talked about maybe you felt like you were behind the curve on some mm-hmm. of these other. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you were a little ahead of the curve on Patreon, right? Yeah, um, I have a good friend who also is on YouTube. His name is Peter Hollins, and he's an acapella artist. And he and I have worked together on a number of things. But he was, like, very early on to Patreon. I think he... I don't know if he's on the board there as well or not, but Patreon has been amazing for his YouTube channel. And he was the one who kind of got me on board with it early on because I was a little skeptical of it, you know. And it's tough, like, when you're used to being on a platform that is free and, you know, there are people that want to support you, but then there are people who don't want to or just want everything to be free and then they, you know, try and discourage you from doing anything that involves monetization. So I I let that kind of influence me a little bit. Um, Unfortunately, early on, I was, like, a little afraid sometimes to ask for support or things like that. But, um, yeah, the great thing about Patreon is it is just one of those things. It's like an extra and you can you know, opt-in or not, and everyone's still getting the YouTube videos for free and things like that, but um, I do a lot of extra things in Patreon for the people in there, but yeah, that's been a really a really great thing, because I think a lot of people don't understand how YouTube works, especially for music artists in terms of monetization. It's actually not very good, like it's, in terms of streaming revenue, it's the 
lowest for me by far comparatively like when you look at the number of views or streams I'm getting on these different platforms Spotify is like far and away the best for me at least um, but yeah YouTube's rough and like they take a big cut off the top and then you're paying publishers because I do so many cover songs too so it's one of those things where it's you know I certainly have never made a living from my YouTube ad revenue I think when people see so many subscribers or whatever they think oh you're making you know if you have two million subscribers does that mean you're making two million dollars <laughs> it's like I wish yeah, <laughs> I really that'd wish be, that'd be awesome <laughs> not even close um so yeah that's why it's you know, it's great to have all these different uh, sources of income, and I think that's like super important to anyone doing music nowadays, any artist, just diversifying your income streams. And Patreon certainly a great one for me for what I'm doing because it's uh, basically like per music video is how I'm doing mine. Yeah, so for those of the, <clears throat> you who don't know, uh, the Patreon, it's patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com. And it's a it's a platform where artists and content creators can. There's I think basically two ways to to support an artist, right? You mm -hmm. can pay, um, you can say it's one dollar, five dollars, or ten dollars per video, or you can do it per month. So there's some artists mm -hmm. that that they you know that you just support them three bucks a month or twenty bucks a month or whatever it is, and then there's artists that you can support per video, mm -hmm. and then the different levels will generally have. Um, different perks associated mm -hmm. with them, right? Yep, yep, that's right. And you can set goals, and I mean, it's very customizable. And there's, besides just like musicians, there's a ton of other types of content creators out there, like um, comic book illustrators, you know, something they might uh, do like a charge per issue or something like that. So it's, it's a really cool platform. I think it's changed things for a lot of artists, not just musical artists. So, as far as other income streams, too, um, you've got your you sell sheet music mm -hmm. to a lot of the stuff you do because, you know, that's that's one of the questions we get at the shop all the time yeah. is, hey, that, that thing that you just play, is there sheet music for that? And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm like an improv guy. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can read sheet music and, mm -hmm. and did growing up, but I, mean, I hardly ever do. Yep. But so a lot of this, and then you have to play by ear because mm -hmm. there's nobody selling you the sheet music exactly, for this yeah. stuff. But then a lot of your followers aren't really there yet mm -hmm. for playing by ear so you've got a, a fairly extensive sheet music catalog yeah it's something that I've wanted to expand and I've wanted to have more of for a long time um, early on you know I wish I would have been able to get more of the cover songs licensed but it's super difficult to get a copyright clearance for sheet music for cover songs it's way different from the mechanical licenses that you need for audio. So thankfully, that's, you know, a very simple process to achieve so I can sell music, you know, audio files online. But the sheet music thing has always just been so difficult for me to, um, to get anywhere with. And so I have a book now that I worked with the publisher, Hal Leonard, on. And so that was, like, the way that they were able to, you know, get the copyright licensing for me on my behalf for this book. <clears throat> and then it's kind of like a profit share thing. You know, I buy the books from them at a set price and then sell them for the list price. And, you know, um, that's that's one way to do it. And then um, I've been able to get just a few individual licenses over the years from other publishing companies as well. But it's really difficult, and it's a shame because, you know, this music is really exciting for people. And um, not saying like mine. <laughs> I'm just saying like this different genre of music. Um, just something other than classical because, you know, it's great to practice classical music and learn all of those. You know, I, I don't think that you should 
just shy away from that completely, but it's just nice. It's almost like a little treat. Like if you have a piece that you really enjoy playing or something that's just fun, you know, it's just something that you want to learn for the fun of it. Uh, it's a shame that there's just not more of it available and it's just kind of, you know, that one hurdle of getting that copyright clearance. But thankfully with my own original music, that's not something that I, you know, have to worry about. So I have all of my original music up on my site as well. Taylor's original music, here's a piece called Starfire. You can find this on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. And like she said, the sheet music is available on her website, taylordavisviolin.com. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering about the background noise in our conversation, we're meeting in a cafe. Not the quietest place in the world, but when you're on the road, you make do. All right, enjoy some more music, and then back to our interview with Taylor Davis. pretty much all over the world, right? Yeah, I did two in Europe last year, and then I did one in the U.S. the year before, and then just a lot of, like, one-off type shows, you know, maybe, like, an anime convention or um, corporate event or colleges, things like that. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of live performance stuff in the last couple of years now. But I was actually really surprised to find out you really don't tour that much <laughs> compared to a lot of people that we talk to. Oh, yeah, no, um... So the first time I actually toured was in the fall of 2015, and that was the U.S. tour. And then last year I had two in the, in uh, Europe, and honestly, it was it was a bit of a grind for me. I know that um, some people, you know, they say that they just love being on stage. They almost get like a high when they're on stage, and I literally feel no different when I'm on stage than when I'm off stage. And so, you know, I would be like playing on on stage at night or whatever and just be thinking to myself like really like Taylor are you just not gonna get like and it's not that I'm not excited like I'm you know I get excited about a lot of things but it's just um I think to be doing that like full time the people who are doing it are like so passionate about it and they love it they would be doing it every night if they could be and that's just really not who I am as a person and I kind of just discovered that over the last tour especially um I'm kind of, like I joke, but I'm kind of like a hermit normally, like my husband and I, like we don't go out partying ever, like we don't even drink or, you know, anything like that, and so um, I really like just being at home, and work. I work from home too, so I'm very used to just like that kind of routine, so doing something where you're around people 24-7 for like an entire month, and just, <laughs> you know, grinding it out on the road, like totally wonderful experience like so blessed um, that I was able to just give that a chance you know I really enjoyed it and I have zero regrets about it but moving forward it's not really something that I want to uh, pursue in terms of like those longer like 
a month at a time touring commitments. Like, I do love performing, but I'm very happy if I'm just doing it, like, once or twice a month even. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's one of the things that really attracts people to you and your brand is that it is so authentic. (laughs) And it's, it's, you're just, there's there's no pretense. It's just, hey, here's here's who I am, and here's what I like. And if you like it, that's great. And if not, you know, there's other YouTube channels. Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So, um, you talked about maybe being bullied a little bit mm. when you were younger, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, the internet's sort of like the Wild West, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think, I mean, your demographic of fans is probably fairly young, mm-hmm. the video game crowd. It's pretty much like, actually, 18 to 35, um, so I do have, like, some younger, but it's that... It's kind of like my age group. It's more of like that classic gamer and also just like up and coming, I guess, generation of gamers as well. But um, it's pretty it's pretty diverse, though. It goes like all the way up to, I think, you know, there's a percentage even that's like 65 plus or something. So I think it just, it's all about the music and like whoever is feeling a connection with it. Because besides the video game stuff, I also do like the film music and some of those types of classics too. So I think it appeals to you know, a wide audience, but definitely the majority of it, I think, sits between more of, like, the 16 to 35. So you've had to, I mean, we, you recently had a fairly public incident where <laughs> yeah. where someone was um, being, real, like, really inappropriate on a live stream, but, <laughs> yeah, but that's just multiple. anybody who's on the internet mm-hmm. is going to deal with Absolutely. the trolls mm-hmm. and the bullies, and just, yeah, what's your advice for people that are sort of new to this whole trolling and, and bullying thing? Yeah, it's tough because the one the one incident like it was like the first time in like seven years that I've been on the platform that I even addressed trolling or anything like that. So I mean, I'm very used to it. I brush things off very easily. This particular one, it was like a bunch of like males saying very like inappropriate sexual things, and so I felt like I wanted to address that because when you're doing one of those Instagram live streams. Um, you know, everybody sees the comments, and I do have, like, a lot of younger women especially, too, that either come to shows or watch my stuff, and so I just kind of wanted to take a stand and be like, look, it's not okay for people to talk to you like that. Like, it's good to ignore things, too, because you don't want to give your time and energy to people who are just trying to, like, bring you down, but at the same time, like, I just felt kind of compelled to address that particular situation, but the majority of the time, like, I totally just ignore things, and... Um, I used to answer, like, every single one of my comments early on for, like, the first couple of years that I was on YouTube. And um, it got to the point where I couldn't, because I had too many videos, I couldn't answer people anymore. And so I was like, you know what, I made a deal with myself. I'm not going to answer these people trying to be mean to me. I'm not going to give them the time of day if I can't give every other single nice person my time to. So it was just like, that's why I don't respond to individual trolling or anything like that anymore because it's just it's not worth it and those people are just looking for attention and it's it's sad and it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt sometimes but um it's much better to just focus on the positive people because they vastly outweigh you know that's the majority of my audience thankfully and you know you want to show them that you appreciate them you want to give them your time because there isn't enough time to go around so why waste it on nasty people (laughs) excellent (laughs) So, speaking of time, what would a what would a typical day be for you between you know shooting video and dealing with all your social media accounts and practicing? And hmm. 
So it just really depends. Um, right now I'm working on a new album. It's going to be like Disney cover music. So um, a lot of the time right now I'm spending just in my home studio just uh, writing out the backtrack. So I do the production work and things too. So that's what I'm doing right now for most of the day. And um, practicing, like I should be a lot better about practicing on a regular schedule, but usually it's kind of like influenced by when I have a performance coming up because if I don't have anything coming up for a little while, I will kind of brush that aside for other more like business oriented tasks. So yeah, there's just a lot of variety. Um, could be doing the video, could be doing backtracks, could be recording or um, anything like that. Like that's what I really enjoy about this career is that it lets me do a lot of different things. I never get bored. Like if I if I ever was bored, that would be a bad sign for my business. So I'm glad to you know have all these things to choose from. No doubt. So you do all your own backing tracks. Um, I have been for the last two years again. Um, I started out doing them on my own because I had no connections and no idea where I would even find someone to do this for me. So for my first like three albums, um, that was what I did. And then I hired somebody for, I think it was like three or four albums after that. And then this previous album, Odyssey, I did it all myself again. And this Disney one, I'm doing all myself again. So when I was hiring... Um, it was more of a situation of I was doing like two videos a month and it was just like the schedule was kind of a little bit crazy for me to try and do that on my own because I'm not formally trained in it. I just learned myself from watching tutorials online and everything. So I'm not super fast with it. It takes me obviously longer than maybe a professional who that's what they're doing all the time is, you know. So um, I really enjoy doing it though. So it's one of those things now where I can kind of just like afford to take the time to do it myself again. I'm really enjoying that. So I like that a lot. Yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. So where do you sort of decide, like you're doing a Disney album now, where, where does the inspiration for that come from? Um, I've done a couple of Disney singles and I mean, I love Disney music too. It's like in addition, obviously, to the video game stuff, like, I think most people in my generation grew up with these Disney animated classics and everything, and so it's another kind of nostalgia factor, and my audience has responded well to the um, singles that I've put out on my YouTube channel, and so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, why not, you know, <laughs> do one of these now, and then um, for next year, I'd love to do another original album, so it's kind of the plan as of right now, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I love doing originals, but I also love doing the covers, too. So, again, it's kind of like that variety um, that I really enjoy. Right. So then, you know, we were talking earlier about the videography. You've learned how to do all the video editing yourself, right? So you do most of your own video editing? Um, I wouldn't say most. Like, I have done a lot of it in the past, but um, it depends on who I'm working with. Uh, I don't think any of the videos that I did with, like, 5th Gen Films are in Oregon. Um, they've edited all of those. Like, anything involving special effects, which... <clears throat> isn't a ton of my videos, but that kind of stuff I don't know how to do. But when it comes to just, like, basic editing or, um, like, the last few videos, Landon Donahoe is the videographer I worked with a lot recently. Um, he'll, like, send me a rough draft or whatever, and then I'll just take it from there and finish up on my own. Because, you know, there's just certain shots sometimes where I think it's just... Maybe, like, he's looking at it from the point of view of, oh, this shot's so good, but I'm like, oh, yes, but I look, like, really ugly in that shot, so can we please change this? And so, like, I, I really like that I can just do that, and it's really nice that he trusts me to do that as well, because, you know, it's his work, too, that it's reflecting, and, um, you know, I have a really great relationship with the people that I work with, so that's that's very fortunate. Awesome. And um, 
and I, I've got a, a young daughter, and mm-hmm. so I think it's awesome that, that as a, a big celebrity in the business, and I, I, you're giving me that funny look, <laughs> you are a big celebrity. No. So as, as a big celebrity in the business, I think it's awesome, like in the world of all the Paris Hiltons and the, <laughs> the Kardashians, that you're like, you know, I don't have to, we don't have to do the whole sex sells thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's like... One of those things, like, from the beginning that I've always been, like, very adamant about. Like, I will not go down that road, and it's not, um, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm judgmental either towards the people that want to take that route. It's just, for me, that's not, like, who I am, and it's not, like, what I would want to portray for what I'm doing, and so I don't do it. But if other people, you know, want to want to do that, you know, it's out there, and it, it detracts a certain audience and everything, too, but... Um, yeah, for me, it's just, that's been important. Like, I kind of wanted to always just show, like, an alternative to young women. Like, look, you can still do what you want. You can still have, like, a really fulfilling and great career, do something that you love, and it does not have to be about your body. (laughs) And, of course, you know, I mean, looks do matter in this industry, um, especially, you know, but it's one of those things where you don't have to have that be like the focal point, I guess, of what you're all about. So, um, and that's been really nice. You know, my audience has been super respectful about that and I'm married and I'm very open about being married and everything too. And, you know, people are very respectful of that fact too. And, you know, that's the thing. Like I just, I want to be myself and I want to be authentic with what I'm doing because otherwise I won't enjoy it in the same way. And so, um, that's always been just really important to me. Yeah, I think too, and as a woman in this business, which is generally a male-dominated business, mm-hmm. there's just so many, I think, sort of unspoken expectations of women mm-hmm. that nobody would ask a guy. Yeah. To, you know, right? So mm-hmm. I, I really am, am super appreciative of the fact that you're going, hey, the art speaks for itself. Yeah. And I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you know, don't ask me to do anything you wouldn't ask a guy to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just... It is, like, a, a different thing for women in this industry, so it's, uh, but it's, it's been nice. Like I said, the audience that I have, like, they've, they've been wonderful, and, you know, it continues to grow and everything, and so obviously, you know, there is a, there is a market for this type of entertainment, too, and so it's just like, you know, if, if women feel empowered or whatever going a different direction, then, you know, they should do whatever they feel is best for themselves and whatever, you know, makes them feel the most genuine and passionate about their art, but... Um, it is nice to see also that there is, you know, the opposite side of it too, and that you can grow a wonderful audience and have like a very fulfilling, successful career doing it a different way. So that's that's what I really appreciate about it. So far, we've heard a movie theme and one of Taylor's original tunes. Here is one from the genre that really inspired her to start her YouTube channel, a gamer tune. This is Megalovania from Undertale. In the video you can find on YouTube, she's playing a Stratton Skull violin that she got from Electric Violin Shop. Woo-woo! All right, back to some music and then some more interview with Taylor Davis, rock star violinist.
So um, you have actually been a customer of the electric violin shop for a long time. <laughs> yes. You have a lot of really cool gear. I do, yes. So, you know, some of our, we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of electric violin people are, are gearheads. Talk about some of the, the gear you've got. Oh my gosh, okay. Well, so we'll talk about violins first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> my most recent acquisition was an Aurora violin from you guys. And that one I used in one of my um, recent music video shoots, and people love that violin. I thought it was so cool, and I think it's so neat, too. Like, the whole LED light thing is really, really neat looking, and the body of it is just really cool, too. Um, I also ordered a custom Viper violin from you guys, too, that I cannot wait to use, but I do not have that one yet in my possession, but it should be on the way. And then... Um, I have a carbon fiber violin. It's a Lewis and Clark carbon fiber violin that I use for a lot of my performances because um, it sounds just, you know, very acoustic, but it's not something that I really have to worry about. Like my really nice wood violin, I would not want to like travel with that extensively or anything. So um, it's a good alternative. And then on that one, I have a Cremona pickup that I got from you guys. Um, and for amplifying that, I have the, is it the Line 6... Um, G10 wireless system. So before that, I was using the Shure. <clears throat> I can't remember which model, but it was a Shure wireless system. And I love the Line 6 one because you don't have to wear a battery pack. So um, on my tours, I was wearing like the double battery packs because I had in ear monitors. And then on top of that, the one for the violin. And you know, sometimes you get like, you know, I'm not the most graceful, so you can get like tangled in your own cords and stuff. So I appreciate like having one less cord and pack to worry about, so that's nice. Um, and then let's see, I do have a Yamaha um, silent violin as well, and then a liquid violin, which is um, it's just like an independent maker in California. And that one I've used in a bunch of different videos as well. And that one has a really cool look. And then I've got my trusty wood violin. I got that one a few years ago. It's from the 1700s, so that one, like I said, I don't really like to take it out of the house too much. It's, you don't want to fly all over mm -mm. the place with it? <laughs> no, that's, that's for recording, <laughs> so I keep that one at home. Um, and then I have my, like, stunt violin is what I call it. It was just, like, my first full-size violin. And I just, you know, kept it for sentimental value. It's not worth very much, but I, it's been through a lot, like... I still have the same strings on it since my Pirates of the Caribbean video, which was like over four years ago, and that the G-string had like rusted because we were on the beach filming that, and right. so it had gotten like really nasty, but I'm just still keeping on because I'm just waiting <laughs> to see how long I can go with it. You know, why not? But um, that's, that's about the collection of violins, and then I have a lot of different gear for producing and stuff too. So I work in Logic Pro X, and I have Focal monitors, um, Apollo Twin um, audio interface and Arturia keyboard and then a lot of different um, like hard drives and things like that for my sample instruments. Awesome. So, yep, love gear. <laughs> Getting excited just talking about it. Well, Coda Bow is one of our sponsors. Mm. And, um, and Yeah, I forgot the bows. Yeah. That, that is a separate instrument in and of itself. For sure. And I, I do have a Coda Bow. <laughs> I didn't, I had, uh, I sort of had played, because I'm playing in bars and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I've had just a bunch of these throw down little $25 oh, okay, yeah. cheapy fiberglass bows for a long time. And I don't know why I got talked into buying a nicer bow, but mm. I got about a $300 mm -hmm. carbon fiber bow. And my bass player, I had been playing for maybe three minutes, and he looks at me and goes, dude, what'd you change? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to think. 
nothing. Well, I got a different bow. He's like, dude, I can, I can hear the difference. Nice. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, I could feel the difference. I didn't know anybody could hear. Yeah. And then I recently um, just took out a, a Coda Bow Marquee, mm-hmm. the new, like, they're super high, top ah, of the line. Okay. And I think I played maybe, I played one set, and I, I never call home when I'm on the road. But, mm-hmm. um, I call my wife after the first set. I'm like, <laughs> This thing is amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's awesome. like, how much is this going to set me back? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it really, it matters. Mm-hmm. Oh, the bow it really, really does. matters. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, it is a separate instrument. That's what my teachers were, would always tell me when I was growing up. And it is priced as a separate instrument as yeah, well. But that's the thing. It's like you, like anything, you kind of get what you pay for. And so I do have couple of really different nice bows and then I always travel with two of course because if you know god forbid something happened to one of them at least you've got a backup so um I'm always usually yeah the the Coda bow diamond one that I have um I travel with all the time yeah GX is a great bow it is yeah take another break here just because we can. Taylor has so much great music out there that we just wanted to share some more of it with you. This is another one of her originals called Wilderness. Now we've talked about her videos a lot. If you haven't seen her video work, you really should. She goes all out with locations and costumes and she's always trying to do something new and different. Check her out on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so that you'll always know when something new comes out. Speaking of subscribing, If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. That really helps us. We have so many great interviews coming for you, including Azima Ramsey, who plays with Beyonce and Clean Bandit, Val Vagoda, who has her own Broadway musical, and Ned Steinberger, one of the most famous and influential instrument makers in the last 50 years. These and many, many more interviews are coming for your listening pleasure. Thanks for all your support so far, and please tell all your friends about our podcast. actually and um, you know just like talking to my family and friends and things like that and I think there's so many options nowadays for musicians like you can try and go like the full artist route but for that to really you know to really make the most of that I think you kind of need a team behind you I think you need that like good management team good agent good you know publicist and you know, people at that point sometimes are like, you know, making your tracks for you or, you know, you've got like five co-writers now on your original songs. And, you know, like if you want to achieve some big level of stardom, I think you kind of have to go that route because you're just constantly going and you can't do everything yourself. 
And for me, I've always, you know, I got used to doing everything myself. And then when I started, you know, I had a management team for my touring. And, you know, I had a producer at one point, too. And it just started to feel like, you know, I was losing a little bit of control. I was still able to do what I wanted to do. But I I can be very controlling with my stuff. And I like to be kind of like the maker of all my things, I guess. And so... Um, you know, that's another reason why I, I really don't see myself doing, like, those big tours in the future or anything like that, because I'm not trying to, like, go that route of stardom. Like, my whole um, point with doing music and just trying to make this work as a career was just to see if I could make a living doing something that I actually really liked, and I've been fortunate enough to achieve that, and so at this point, it's just kind of like, um, you know, I don't want to get complacent, but I also don't have, like, crazy goals in terms of, um, you know, specific numbers or anything like that. Like, I'm I'm very fortunate. I feel very blessed that I'm at this stage um, of my life, you know, already as, like, a 30-year-old woman. And, um, yeah, I'm going to have options for when I start having children and things like that to have, like, a flexible career. And, you know, that's not something that everybody gets to do. And so um, I'm just kind of trying to think of more ways to like give back in the future I want to kind of focus on some educational things in the next couple of years as well and um, really just you know keep kind of doing what I'm doing but um, hopefully things will continue to grow and you know people are still enjoying it you know I'd love to make more of my own original music because I'm I really love doing that but yeah just kind of staying on a similar path but um, hopefully still growing (laughs) yeah so we talked about, I mean, social media has been such a huge part of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see the trends in social media going? I'm sure that that's a, that's a huge question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's so tough to follow and it's so tough to predict because, you know, YouTube just took a big hit recently with all of like the major advertisers pulling out and it's going through a lot of different things itself and, you know, all of these different social media networks, you know, like when MySpace was hot and now like no one uses MySpace. So I think, you know, things can change relatively quickly and um, there's always like a new thing coming out or a new feature. And so I think, um, you know, it's important to stay up to date and not like get behind, you know, you want to be where your audience is at and where they want to be interacting and consuming. I think that's important not to just like stay set in your ways because you like it, but you know, go where your audience is too. But um, also just like not spreading yourself too thin because I've definitely done that in the past where I've like tried to get on all of the platforms and then I'm doing like a terrible job at each one individually because there's just like not enough time. So um, I've just kind of like chosen my main ones to stick with and then, you know, occasionally dabble in expansion where it makes sense or whatever. But yeah, I like, I mean, I'm super into the business side of things, so I'm always reading, like, articles and kind of, like, checking out what the new things are, too. So I think that's important for um, just that whole idea of being an artist but also being a business person. I think that's so important nowadays, too, for for anyone trying to have a career like this. And, you know, business sometimes has a negative connotation, especially in the artistic world, but the only reason that I've been able to make a career um, doing something that I like is because I was able to monetize it and turn it into a business and it doesn't mean that I've like sold out or you know can't stay true to myself or anything it just means that I'm able to like pay rent and you know have a nice life because um, I've been able to turn what I'm doing what I love into something that can be monetized so I think that's like an important thing too for artists to keep in mind. There's actually a funny uh, Gene Simmons quote. Gene Simmons, the, the bass player from mm, Kiss, mm-hmm. somebody had, had made the comment to him that he was a sellout. Oh, yeah. And he said, sellout? Yeah. 
I sold out a stadium last night. Yeah, I sold out an arena the night before. <laughs> I sold out of albums the, the night before that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think there is some in some places in the artistic community. There's this thought that if it's commercially successful, it must not be genuine or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just it's just not true. No, especially nowadays when you don't have to sign with a record label. Like I've. I'm not with a label, I've never been signed, and, you know, even artists who are signed, you know, if they were able to make the right deal for themselves, you know, they can still be doing what they want, they just have that extra help, so it's all dependent on the person, really. And you talk about signing, you know, today's landscape is so different. I've Mm -hmm. got a friend in the the country music business who's a huge star now, and I'm not going to mention her name, but he he, um, basically built his whole career himself. Mm Mm-hmm. And was touring all over the U.S. by himself and had huge album sales by himself. Mm-hmm. The bus, the semi, the whole thing. Yeah. And and there were record companies, of course, that wanted a piece of that. Mm-hmm. But it, he was looking at this as like, well, what are you going to do for me that I can't do for myself? Exactly. And you're gonna you're gonna want control. You're gonna want money. You're mm-hmm. gonna. So it wasn't until really pretty recently that he signed with a record yeah. label. And then it was, you know, they could get him into radio markets. He couldn't get into, and all of a sudden, yeah. it's number one hits and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of this, this, you know, I, I talked to Christian Hauser before. who's a, is a really uh, high level business mm-hmm. consultant in the music business, and and it's so much of doing for yourself rather yes. than just trying to hand off control to other people. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like what you make of it because, you know, I know people that have maybe less numbers online or something like that than I do that have record label deals and you know they're trying to do something different than what I'm trying to do though they want to have maybe that big touring career or something on the radio like you said something that they maybe can't achieve for themselves but for me and what I'm doing and for you know a lot of artists out there who just want to produce their art and get it out there you don't need a record label to do that anymore. You can distribute your music yourself. You can have your own audience. You can interact with them yourself and control everything. And so for me, that's for sure the the best fit because there's nothing that I personally would like to do at this point that I haven't already had a chance to try or couldn't try on my own without that kind of help. So for me, it wouldn't make any sense, but you know, it can be the right fit for, you know, the particular artists if they, if they have those different goals. Right. So, I mean, we use I used this word with you before, and you gave me a funny look. But you are a celebrity in a lot of ways. So, so what is that? What is that like to, especially for an introvert, to to be out and about? And you know, I'm sure you get recognized in places. Sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, um, like with doing shows and things like that. Obviously, like. The people who are there watching your show, they know who you are, and so they um, have certain expectations or whatever it is, and I've always found it very easy to interact with my fans. Like, I have such a nice group of people who are my audience and everything, and people have come to the shows and stuff. Like, I stayed after every single one of my shows on my tours to do an after-show meet-and-greet, because I did VIP things, too, but... Um, not everyone can afford the VIP thing, and so I would also stay afterwards and do signings and pictures and things like that, too, just in case, you know, people missed out or whatever, couldn't afford it. And that kind of an interaction, for me, um, you know, it's it feels like, I don't want to say a, a job, but it's like my job, and I understand my role in it, and I understand, you know, what my audience is looking for, and I don't want to disappoint them. You know, I want them to have an awesome time at the show and then I want them to have a great interaction with me afterwards and so it is a little tough 
you know, as an introvert to to do that in front of so many people and stuff. But my audience has made it very easy because they are such nice people and, you know, they share really uh, wonderful stories with me and, you know, very personal things sometimes or how maybe my music has helped them in some way. And so that for sure has made, like, all of that easy to deal with for me, even though if it's, you know, sometimes uncomfortable or whatever. Um, that definitely I look forward to those meet and greets and things like that because I know that I'm going to have a nice time with those people because they are just such a nice group of people. So it's kind of tough on one hand, but um, I think it's tougher for me to do like regular social media posts or vlogging type videos. I have to really psych myself up for those. Like those are tough. Or like um, not so much a live stream actually, but yeah, more of like just the videos where I'm talking. I, I just feel like sometimes I get a little bit too much of myself. Or, you know, when your business, like, is yourself, just, like, right. I'm like, okay, enough of me for right now. Like, <laughs> it's just, I just want to be, like, you know, normal, and I'll, like, put my phone down for, like, you know, a day at a time sometimes just because I want to get away from it or whatever because, you know, it can be addicting sometimes or, you know, you have the tendency to compare yourself to what other people are doing and, you know, people forget, too, that that's, everyone's highlight reel, you know, you're not going to post, like, probably not going to want to post, like, the bad things that were happening throughout the day. You want to post the highlights and stuff. So, I mean, uh, it's good to, I think, take breaks from that, too, and just, like, get back to reality and everything. So, I like doing that a lot. <laughs> cool. It's And there's a little bit, too, like, there's sort of, like, public tailor and private mm -hmm. tailor, and you've got to be able to, mm -hmm. to sort of draw a line and, and control access a little bit. Yeah, and that, that was tough on the tours because, um, for the most part, I was having, you know, great interactions, but I did have a few, like, concerning interactions or just not positive ones, and, you know, my tour manager would have to just say, you know, look, like, you have to be this version of yourself for, you know, this time, and these people don't know you or this or that, and I'm like, yeah, kind of, but... I feel like this is how I am, and I, I don't want to be fake to people, and I don't want to, um, you know, just, like, do an interaction that just doesn't feel authentic or whatever, but you do kind of have to, like, get into a different mindset, and you do have to, like, be able to put up boundaries if things do start to get uncomfortable and stuff, and, you know, it is different than how I would act with a friend or something like that, somebody who I knew, because you just, sometimes you never know, and you don't want to, you know, take that chance, like, the one time <laughs> someone was you know, looking to do something bad or whatever, but, um, yeah, no, it's tough, it's a very interesting thing, like, going through this, I mean, I'm, I know you keep saying celebrity, but I feel like, I mean, like, D-list or something, maybe, like, I'm, compared to, like, what some people go through, like, I have a lot more sympathy and empathy now for, you know, a lot of those major stars that everyone's, like, judging all the time, or if they have, like, breakdowns or this or that, it's like, yeah, I mean, I can understand, like, if you have that many people watching and judging you all the time, and, you know, I've only felt like a tiny part of that with, you know, what I've been able to um, have with my career, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, like, it's not real life is the thing, it's just you have to kind of just treat it differently, otherwise I think it would make you feel a little bit crazy. Yeah. I mean, when you get home, there's still dishes to do, <laughs> and, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That sink's going to have to be cleaned. And, yeah, yeah, no, oh, my gosh. Well, this was funny. I was playing at an anime convention a couple weekends ago, and my family came. And, you know, sometimes, like, after when I'm doing, like, the meet-and-greet thing afterwards, um, people will get a little bit emotional or whatever, and 
how this one girl like had come up and she was kind of like crying or whatever and my husband had never seen that before (laughs) he would not leave it alone like and my mom too just like mercilessly teasing me and it's like I could never become full of myself because of my family and you know all my friends like they don't treat me any differently than you know which I like because it would be weird if they did you know I don't treat them any differently because they're not doing what I'm doing you know I love them just the same so um, it is pretty funny though when those things happen your family can take you down a peg pretty fast yeah, yeah very fast. <laughs> awesome. So um, this part will be optional whether this goes in or not. Okay. So, like, how much comparison do you see to other artists online? And who's the person? And I, I already know who the answer is. Yeah, this question. Who, yeah, so who, like every who interview you, I've ever done. Yeah, who do you get compared with the most? And, and hmm. where, where does that sort of work? Yeah. Uh, well, that would be Lindsay Sterling, of course. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I mean, I have honestly a lot of respect for her and what she does. And I met her a couple of different times at like various events that we were both uh, taking part in. And she's always been so nice. And I think, you know, what she's been able to accomplish as an artist is incredible. And she has her own style, which is so unique. And I think it's really awesome what she does. Um, (laughs) the one thing that's been tough is just being you know, we're like relatively similar in age, we've done some of the same type of music, and so automatically some people want to just point fingers at the one who is less popular, which would be me, (laughs) and say, you copy her, or you know, you're not original, you're just copying her, and it's like, well, no, I mean, more than one violinist can exist in this space, and actually, like, I was, not that it matters, but I was posting on YouTube like a year before Lindsay was even posting on there, so it wasn't even... Um, now I can say certainly a lot of the things that she's done has inspired me and stuff, but I in no way, you know, saw what she was doing and wanted to copy or become her or anything. I think we're so different. Like, you know, every artist is so different. And I think, um, you know, some of the stuff she does, it's like stuff that I would never attempt. I'm horrible at dancing and she's, you know, a wonderful dancer and all of that. But, um, that, that has been a little hard just because, um, it's just, a constant thing like I always you know we're just being asked in interviews it's always like that name coming up and it's like you know I'm doing my own thing and I would like to be known for that and um you know not always have people think that I'm like doing what I'm doing because of somebody else or whatever and like I said you know um people are inspired by other people and there are many things about her now that I find inspiring and stuff but um it doesn't mean that I'm like trying to be that person or whatever either so <laughs> yeah like why do guitar players never get that question yeah you're just trying to be Jimi hendrix exactly it's so well, i mean that would be okay but <laughs> or singers i mean like you know there's more than just you know one person who plays an instrument or whatever and wants to do this kind of a thing and you know is passionate about it and yeah it's just it's just kind of like a weird thing and again it's like with the trolling we were talking about you just have to ignore that kind of stuff because it is it's ignorant and someone just trying to be mean to you or whatever and it's like you know i have nothing against her as a person whatsoever like i said i think she's super nice anytime i've met her and what she's done is really awesome and I think her having so much um, popularity and stuff only helps all of us violinists, too, because it's just 
um, her level of popularity and stuff has just like brought more light to the instrument and it's inspired a lot of younger people to start playing violin which I think is awesome so you know no no hard feelings here whatsoever just sometimes you know some of the trolley fans can be a little mean but it so is what it is did you ask Damien Escobar that question did you ask Damien <laughs> like oh you just trying to be Lindsay Sterling <laughs> yeah no it's uh, it is what it is kind of at this point but you know I could say there are many worse people that I could be compared to so I should you know? <laughs> should be should be upset about it. Let's let's let everybody know all of everybody should obviously know all of your information. <laughs> um, way more people follow you than follow me, I promise. <laughs> so, but yeah, just go ahead and give the website and all the all the different contact information. Okay, yeah. So you got TaylorDavisViolin.com is my website, and that's where I've got like my sheet music and things like that. And then of course YouTube, you can just search for my name or my username is Violente, and then same with Twitter, it's Violente, and then Facebook is Taylor Davis Violin, and Instagram as well, so those are the main places, I'm also on Patreon if you just search my name, and um, I have an app coming out too that I'll just, you can search my name in the app store or whatever and find that too, but yep, and then all my music, it's in the usual spots, <laughs> you know, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Spotify, all of that, and my website too. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the success. I know it's it's been uh, a lot of work, and you continue to, to work hard every day. That's that's one of the things I think people will say. Well, she's got this huge platform, but it's there, there's been countless hours. <laughs> oh yeah, of definitely. work that goes into that. Yeah, I think whenever you're doing your own thing or you own your own business, I mean, people who do that can really relate because, you know, you're more motivated to put more time and effort into it. You know, when I had my day job, I didn't spend nearly as much time doing that as I have over the years with my music. So it's one of those things, too, where when you love it, it doesn't feel as much like work, too. So it's really nice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Electric Violin Shops Podcast, Rockstar Violinist. We are so thankful for our sponsor, Kodobo. You can learn more about them at Kodobo.com and you can hit electricviolinshop.com to buy the one that fits your needs the most. Also, be sure to check out Taylor Davis's work all over the internet at all the links she gave just a few minutes ago. We will see you back in a couple weeks with another interview with another rock star violinist. <laughs>